welcome to the first edition of the Paranormal Roundtable from Pursuit the Paranormal. And Paramike. Paramike, <laughs> it went completely. Fucking hell, man. It's the hell on the screen. <laughs> I still couldn't see it. It is. It's actually there on the screen. Well, so um, th- this is actually quite uh, kept together compared to the last really? few minutes. So, <laughs> so welcome along, Mike. Um, Mike will be joining us regularly on these um, paranormal roundtables, and we'll be joined by other people as and when in future episodes. And we aim to put these out. Probably monthly. Yeah. Um, I also am an admin on another group page on Facebook, and it's called Paranormal Talk United. And we will be joined by Jodie, who's the other admin. She couldn't come on this first one, and she'll be regretting saying that she was going to join us. So she hopefully she'll be on the next one. But we'll get a whole host. We do a UFO roundtable one. So it'd be a similar vein to that. But because the um, the content isn't as fast moving in the paranormal world as it is in the UFO world, especially at the moment uh, with congressional hearings and all that kind of jazz, um, we thought we would take a particular topic each time, each roundtable, and then maybe talk about specific cases uh, and, and things like that as we go along, and it will sort of morph into what it what it will be over the coming episodes. So we're going to talk about poltergeists on this episode and also a paranormal case. Um, so for people who haven't listened to our podcast before, welcome along. And we're going to talk about the Enfield poltergeist a little bit later on. Um, which some of you will or won't know, and we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit more detail. So, welcome along, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for inviting me back, and on a monthly basis, no doubt, you maniacs. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to... I mean, I can talk the hind legs off a donkey, but looking forward to talking about the paranormal more and more frequently with you guys, and actually digging a bit deeper into into things i guess yeah because because you write articles for the website for us Mm -hmm. now i do need to ask now mike based on what you were telling me yesterday and what you messaged me yesterday (laughs) are these articles written by you or are they written by chat gpt i mean you could probably tell by the spelling that they're written by me and the grammatical errors because i'm actually dyslexic greg which is uh, quite oh, sensitive yeah. of you i am yes um but anyway no um chat gpt is a new thing what i sent you was just a test not to go on the subject of portuguese but chat gpt is fucking mental and the stuff it can do is insane and you should i've only it. learned about it today you should really, like, get... after after you told me about it yesterday do you know about chat gpt gpt I know about LGBT, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of it. I know it's like basically it's like art, um, AI art, like, like cafe AI, wages. AI it not like that? chat. It's the same people that do that Dali uh, and open AI, but people are using it to write their dissertations and it's getting through law degrees with a pass. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna potentially ball the arse off you now. I was when I was testing it, and I'm sorry, this isn't about the paranormal. But when I was testing cool. it, I basically went, "Can you give me a seven day workout plan?" And within seconds, it went, "Here's a seven day workout plan for your full body." And I went, "Cool." Now, can you give me a gluten free diet plan to complement this? And within seconds, it went, "Yep, here's your gluten free diet plan for seven days." And then I was like, cool, can you put that in a shopping list for me? Yep, bang, straight in a shopping list in seconds. And it's just insane. Like, I've been uh, applying it to stuff for my work, and it's been able to get me, like, if I'll say, like, can you set me up a network for 10 people? It'll go, yeah, here's all the items you need. Here's the SKUs or part numbers for all of them. Here's the prices in Great British Pounds. And then you'd be like, oh, can you give that to me in USD as well? Yeah, here you go. It's honestly insane. Like, and I've only just adopted it and 
scratch the surface but the stuff you can do is mental it's gonna it's definitely gonna like revolutionize the world wow so future articles might be written by AI. They were, I assure you, they were. Them out. I, yeah, I, I like it crossed my mind. I was like, I've not written one in a while. Maybe I could sneak one. And then I was like, it seems really shitty for me to just uh, go. Here you go. His five articles, Greg, that I wrote in thirty seconds. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. But you, you did do something. It was a paranormal one you did do for mm. to show Ironic, me yesterday. Ironically, I said, give me. 10 interview questions for someone who's had a poltergeist haunting. And again, with seconds, it just went, yeah, here you go. Here's 10, here's 10 questions that were all actually relevant. And I think Have you got I, now? I might have, give me two seconds, entertain the crowds while I get our chat up. I'll... Yeah. I'm definitely going to play with that later. I, I, I play on night cafes quite a bit. Obviously we just use the prompts to create art or whatever, but night cafe is brilliant. Articles, it's, that's mad. Night Cafe is good. I, I enjoy using that. Most most thing I do on it is click the daily login to get the five free credits. <laughs> emails yeah. every day. I'm at about 100-odd free credits at the moment. So, so my prompt was give me some interview questions for someone who's lived in a house with a poltergeist. The first question that came back, can you describe the events that occurred in your home that led you to believe it was haunted by a poltergeist? Number two, how long did the activity last? Number three, did you notice any patterns or triggers for the activity? And again, this is in seconds. That it's spit this no. out. It's insane. <clears throat> well, we should probably actually talk about podcasts now rather than just technology. Yeah. But that, but if it can come up with questions like that, it might actually be able to come up with more realistic and a sort of um, relevant questions. Pepsi Max. Lemonade this time, actually. <laughs> it might come up with some more relevant questions to ask on paranormal investigations that people probably haven't thought of before. So Absolutely. that's your task for the next episode is to oh. come up with some AI questions. Yes, please. The, the, one of the scary things about it <clears throat> is I've seen people go, can you write me code to do X, Y, Z? And it will just write you like web-based code for it. Or you can plug mm -hmm. code in and say like, what's wrong with this? And it will find the error, fix it and tell you what the error is. Again, in seconds, you just like copy Terminator. paste. Yeah, fix this. I think I just went to have a go, and I think I'm on the wrong thing. I don't, I don't think I'm on the right program. It's very hard to get into because uh, their servers are so busy. Everybody in the world's trying to get on it. it uh, absolutely, yeah. So I put in, can you tell me the most famous poltergeist case? And, and it put, <clears throat> yes, I remember reading about it. A woman who was haunted by a poltergeist, she went to see a priest and he exercised her. Then she started seeing the ghost of an old man in black. And that was it. Nice. It's, um, I don't think I'm on the right thing, to be honest. Mm, it's, maybe it's not. A it's a funny one, because where it's AI, some stuff that comes back can be very wrong. And then you can look at it and immediately go, well, that's very wrong. But the more people feed into it, the more it will learn what's actually wrong and what's correct. So, it's, as, yeah. again, as I say, it's going to revolutionize the world because this is like ground zero, essentially, and it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, or worse for humans. Yeah. <laughs> it's like them um, capture things on websites. And it's yeah. like tick all boxes with traffic lights on. There's no actual right answer. It's just it goes off what most people choose, whether you pass or not. No one actually says um, these are the right squares. Hit, when you hit submit, all it does is check your browser history, your recent browser history, to see if it's something that a human would actually naturally browse for or if it's a bot where the browser history will be fucking all over the shop right oh, there that's, we go. that's all it does yeah, learning so, so, so we, uh, we've gone down a technology route I, ironically because i've just plumbed it in after ash said about it the most famous poltergeist case is probably the enfield poltergeist case which occurred in the late 1970s wow topical topical so okay so shall we start with poltergeist then absolutely <clears throat> And definitely, technology's got a part to play in the future of paranormal investigations. But you've got me thinking that I want to. I want to try and use it now on investigations. I don't know how, but absolutely, I think that's try. a new project for that. For definitely. Yeah. So, poltergeists. So, poltergeists are 
almost one of the the main things that got me into paranormal and ufos and everything like that when i was younger so i used to watch a program called alpha c clark's world of strange mysteries so if, if you listen to the podcast i've spoken about it many times and there was one particular episode where it talked about poltergeist activity and people were having stones thrown at their windows um, like small stones hitting their windows from outside the house, which is weird in itself. And it used to freak me the hell out. Um, and I've had some paranormal experiences after that. But um, poltergeists have always been one of the ones that have fascinated me because it's it's probably the most terrifying version of a ghost they're like that you can the get. holy they're like the holy grail of the paranormal mm. right because yeah you're right i mean i've i've got my own theories and i don't necessarily believe that they are ghosts as such um but they're so far removed from if you can have a mundane haunting what seems to happen on a mundane haunting of like hearing people talk or a device setting off if you've got something that is unseen and from the reports reports we've heard can throw things and make things levitate and do all manner of mad shit as i say it's like it is like the holy grail of the paranormal essentially and i think that's why it's so fascinating because because there's nothing else like it really yeah and i think because it seems to start quite mundane just with the banging of a a wall or a pipe or something in the house that people experience just some noises randomly and then towards the end it sort of ramps up to the point where it's becoming dangerous to humans in yeah. terms of there's physical harm happening um and this manifestation just becomes like goes to a full apex of like danger and then yeah. drops off and then just immediately immediately stops and what you tend to happen is sort of a a bounce effect where that will happen it will start quite mundane ramp up quickly then drop off but then what normally happens is after a period of time it comes back and it's normally even worse and we see this in so many poltergeist cases that that's like the same pattern that happens which again is is weird right because it's if, if it's something if it's something supernatural why is it bound to pattern and why mm. is it bound to the same the same sort of behavior now they're not all identical but you can start to sort of categorize things that happen across different poltergeist hauntings as you say like wrappings and knockings on walls and closing doors and one of the ones that a lot of people have um, spoken about is, you know, what, if I was to say to you like the Grey Lady, what do you what do you think of when I say the Grey Lady? I think I, we had like a old building that it was like the Grey Lady was in this old building. I think a lot of places have a very similar. So when, when I when I say the Grey Lady, what do you envision in your mind? What is a Grey Lady to you? Like. A ghost of a woman in like a long dress. So that's Type. that's what I thought for ages. And then it wasn't until Keith Linder, who's an ex-guest of the show, and I've heard this another couple of times, actually explained it and I put two and two together, that it's not necessarily like the ghost of a lady in a long grey dress. The way they describe a grey lady is as if it's a human being, but they're black and white like a black and white TV sort of thing. And it's this weird, like, uh, I don't know why it just gets referred to as a gray lady, but seeing like black and white apparitions is something that's seemingly happened in quite a number of poltergeist cases as well. Small okay. tangent, but again, I was like, I same as Ash assumed the gray lady was like someone in a woman in a gray, a gray dress or something. But she's actually like in monochrome. <clears throat> yeah, like an apparition of someone who's essentially grayscale, which is a weird way mm. of thinking about it. And again, as I say, like there's numerous reports of poltergeist cases of that happening. I think generally speaking, they don't 
necessarily attack people attack people they'll normally just try and do things to strike fear in people but then the one that goes against that which you're reading at the moment greg and not to mm. spoil it for you is the self shields poltergeist where it did start to get physically abusive towards one of the members of the family but generally speaking that's not something that you hear of very often and with the poltergeist cases they <clears> generally <throat> now this is where we might fall out it generally appears to center around one one person in the family generally from the ones that i've i've looked at um again keith linders seems to be quite at the bothell hell here's his, here's his the outlier right slightly yeah his is the outlier um but <clears throat> it tends to be a prepubescent girl that seems to have be going through sort of changes in her body um, and the sort of emotional change that's going on and the effect that has on the family seems to manifest itself in the beginnings of a poltergeist haunting. Now that's just my my take on it based on what we've we've who we've spoken to over the, the last couple of years but i i would agree with you i wouldn't like it's, they're definitely i say definitely no one knows for definite but there's they certainly seem to be person-centric rather than place-centric and you can see that by the way that people who have poltergeist infestations will move house and it will follow them essentially um mm -hmm. it does seem to tie in with a lot of as you say prepubescent girls which i think is more due to a a state of sort and heightened emotion but as i say with like keith linda and uh and the south shields poltergeist there isn't there isn't that element of a prepubescent girl in it but i think like maybe they are maybe just a little bit more prone to uh the heightened emotions which are associated with poltergeists. So I don't think it's always prepubescent girls. Um, but I agree with you, whatever, everything else you've said. There's also a theory about something, and I can't remember what it is actually called, but it's, the acronym for it is RSPK. I'm not sure if you've heard of this. <clears throat> Random Spontaneum Psychokinesis or something, which is the idea that poltergeists are manifested from people's emotions but they're unaware that they're doing it like a sort of subconscious manifestation and that's very interesting to explore mm. as well but i know keith linder is very against rspk because he's like myself and my girlfriend at the time weren't massively over our heads they had just bought the house which is pretty stressful but from everything he yeah. says he kind of again he's the outlier he kind of goes against the stereotypical um ingredients for a poltergeist infestation so one thing that i have heard as part of my paranormal investigations into the poltergeist is that, you know the knock where the like they call it the wrapping on the wall where they're knocking they've they've done a sound recording of a knocking sound and when they play the the waveform of that, it's actually not an instant knock. It's sort of like almost like a reverse knock. The, the waveform is almost reversed, but it sounds like it's going the, the right way. So it's yeah. almost like a whoop, whoop, it's whoop. it's either that or I've seen this as well with when people analyze people capture uh wrappings or waveforms or something they'll analyze the, the waveform and there'll yep. be something you can audibly hear like a knock or something but it doesn't sharpen the waveform and okay. i unfortunately keith's name is going to get mentioned a lot in this because his his book was first i read about poltergeist and he does a very good job of explaining it in his third book that he wrote about how 
um, quantum physics can actually explain some of the things that happen with poltergeists. <clears throat> and I think he's a big believer that they are multidimensional. So say for instance, if you have a, and don't quote me on this because I could be very wrong, but if you have a sound that emanates from the fourth dimension that we can't be exposed to because we're three-dimensional beings, potentially we can hear it, but that's why it doesn't show up in our waveforms or something. And um, he definitely uses the fourth dimension to sort of explain how items can sort of apport from one place to another immediately. And not to get too scientific and technical, but if you're a fourth dimensional being, you can essentially reach down into the third dimension, grab something, pull it up into the fourth dimension, and whatever's in the third dimension is invisible to anymore, it doesn't exist anymore, move it somewhere else and put it back down. And because we're not fourth dimensional beings, we don't understand what space and time could be like in the fourth dimension. So space and time, how we perceive it, might not exist how they perceive it. Hence why something could instantaneously jump from one point to another. It would also, I mean, this is very much more technical than I thought we would be talking about poltergeists. But there's like these <laughs> cases where I think we talked we talked to Michaela Cook and she had where she had lost items like slippers or something, and she'd seen it literally materialize in front of her eyes, just literally come out of nowhere in front of her, and she witnessed that happen. And she yeah. can't find it. She's looking in one direction and just appear in front of her eyes. And that, I mean, that would explain the same sort of theory where they've picked it up, so to speak, and then put it back. And that's why you've just seen it appear from nowhere because it's coming from a different part yeah. of time and space, really. And the other thing as well, one of the one of the, one of the first things that Keith Linder said happened to him when he first moved into the Bothell house was he had a pot plant, which lifted or levitated out and rotated. And in his book, he explains that scientists have found a way, and admittedly it's on a much smaller scale, scientists have found a way to basically levitate water droplets using sound waves. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it on YouTube where they've got like five water droplets in a stack, not touching each other, but they're all levitating due to sound waves. And he's like, what if a poltergeist is an incredibly powerful multidimensional being that knows how to manipulate sound waves to make things levitate? And that's like the explanation for something that we understand in our dimension and in our world that if potentially this more powerful being has a better grasp on and can just do things better and that's how it can do these potentially like paranormal magical things right <clears throat> how, okay question if they are this powerful um why are they not everywhere? Why do they only affect certain people? Why do they only appear for a certain period of time? And then, though, like say it almost overnight just drops off. Yeah. Well, Darren Ritson, uh, the writer of the South Shield podcast, seems to think that they, I'm not sure where, where they come from or, as you say, why they're not everywhere. But he seems to think that they feed on fear, and that's why they um, they try and go out of their way to scare people rather than harm people, because they feed on fear, and that's what um, keeps them energized, as well as electrical influence. So one of the common things around poltergeist is battery drain, and that okay. could be because they they're draining batteries to basically charge themselves up to then go and do a massive spate of whatever they want to do and then feed off the fear that they're creating from that. <clears throat> it just seems say. a bit mad, like, sort of, when you talk about some podcast cases where they're sort of just doing random things to one person or one family, like, it's kind of like, I mean, being naughty, I guess, is a way to describe it to, to that person. Why are they doing that rather than, like, if they could do anything like that, why are they... So just doing it just to kind of mess with and a certain it, person. It, it comes back to how much we don't understand about them. Like that side of things, no one really knows. And again, maybe they are like um, a manifestation of someone's subconscious and like the darker side of their human psyche that as a 
rational moral human being you'd never really do but if you've manifested the worst parts of you that's why it's quite happy to do it another thing that comes up seemingly quite a lot is apparently they're pretty or they can seem pretty ocd like they'll get obsessed with certain items and it'll be things like um in the south shields poltergeist case i believe they said there was like a little statue of a woman and it would just keep appearing on the stairs and it's that sort of thing they'll do the same thing over and over again or like stacking chairs and or like cups very neatly and stuff like that and it's there's this weird like ocd thing with them where they seem to get obsessed with something and they'll just keep doing the same thing with it rather than rather than mess around in different ways they'll always which they do obviously but there seems to be things they focus on and we'll just keep doing <coughs> excuse me um and also things like in terms of writing messages like words are often misspelled in a very odd way, which again, if you're a multi-dimensional being, why would that be the case? It just, it, yeah, it just, it fascinates me because we've we've obviously spoken to a few people about it, and it's just the way it ramps up. And I know it's about this fear thing and and whatnot, but it ramps up from a knocking noise to like objects being thrown or missing and then things moving. And in the case of Keith Linda, um, Bibles being set alight and he's got like 666 written in oil on the walls of his house. And And it's just like, there's a theory that a lot of that stuff, like the whole Bible is getting burned in 666 is it's not necessarily aligned to a religion as such, hmm. but the poltergeist is doing those things because it knows that's what would get to people. You know what I mean? Like to put this into context, I don't know if you guys are religious at all in that sense, but no. say for instance, if so, I'd we're burn all up when I walk into a church. <laughs> yeah. What do you think happens to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> Um, so, so none of none of us are Christian, but if you then had something that you can't explain that's chucking shit around your house and um, moving stuff everywhere and hiding things, and then all of a sudden it like turns a cross upside down or writes six 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 on a wall, you're immediately going to think like, my God, demons exist or something, right? Hmm. And all, admittedly, none of us are Christian. The sad fact of it is we're from the Western world and it's ingrained into our psyches because it's all around us all the time. Right. And I'm sure Mm. there's potentially reports of, uh, poltergeists in other countries that would maybe do the same thing in like a, a Hindu context if it was in India or something, you know what I mean? So I think, I don't necessarily think it's because people believe, but people are Christians, but it's just, it's in our psyche. Right. Yeah, I suppose it is. It's like that Western belief, like you say, that if the, if the cross and the the sign of the devil's up there, people yeah. will assume it's that. So I I was looking, and so talking about it about the psychokinesis and telekinesis, some people are also stating that reported poltergeist mm-hmm. phenomena could be explained by the movement of underground water causing stress on houses. And this guy, called, weirdly, Guy William Lambert, suggested that water turbulence could cause strange sounds or structural movement of the property, possibly causing the house to vibrate and move objects. Later researchers such as Alan Gould and Tony Cornell tested Lambert's hypothesis by placing specific objects in different rooms and subjecting the house to strong mechanical vibrations. They discovered that although the structure of the building had been damaged only a few of the objects had moved a short distance so they're they're basically they were assuming that water and movement of the property was going to cause the cause the um the objects to move i I don't i don't want to sound like a cock but that theory is pretty flawed because i'm pretty sure underground water can't 
text your phone from your husband's number saying, I'm going to kill you tonight. Or in Keith Linder's case, where a, um, a radio of some sort basically played a, a section of Katy Perry's Dark Horse on repeat a weekend before it all fucking kicked off in his house. Like, I, yeah. I, was, I, I wouldn't have thought that underground water movements could do that sort of stuff. No, but there was actually blamed underground water movements and underground train station was moved, um, was blamed for the Battersea poltergeist. Really, the noises that were heard there initially, initially. And, and I mean, but, don't don't get me wrong. The amount of investigations I've been on, to the point that me and Patsy now roll our eyes a little bit and go, "Told you so." The amount of investigations we've been on, where we'll go there and there'll be some form of water source nearby or oh, there's a well underneath it or there's running water and it is fucking uncanny uh the amount of alleged haunted places that have some sort of water source near them so i definitely think there's something in it but i don't necessarily yeah. think that's to blame entirely for poltergeist activity it's interesting because we were talking about skinwalker ranch and some other haunted ranches and they've all got water courses near them and rivers and um, such like so. Yeah, I remember you saying on the podcast, and I was just like, yeah. it seems like 90% of haunted places have some sort of water source near them, like the ancient ram where they rerouted the river, or 30s Drive, which has allegedly got a well underneath it, or even a local pub to me, the Freak Arms, where they didn't think there was anything, and then someone in the village has got a deed to half of the well under the pub and the landlady's going to me but there isn't a well under the pub and it's like well if there's a deed for it it must have existed at some time and shit well, like that it's just like what so on on the the subject of um power ice as we we're talking about we have spoken to many people whereby ufos have been linked to poltergeist activity as well haven't we ash mm. So we we spoke to um, well we we've spoken to many people, but we spoke to a guy called Michael, um, who seems to have disappeared off face of the earth again, and he allegedly grew up with poltergeist activity, um, and is not the only UFO experiencer to have some kind of paranormal and poltergeist activity at a young age. So whether or not there's any kind of, or what are your thoughts, Ash? Do you think there is any kind of connection there? I mean, it, it could be psychological. I think a lot of this stuff can be explained by psychological, psychological stuff. And if you do have some experience of some sort when you're younger, you probably just got more of an open mind to either see something and making it out to be something that it's not, or seeing, the UF, seeing like there's a light and believing it's more likely to be a UFO than something normal, or because you are open to it, you can start experiencing it and maybe you can attract whatever it is in because you are open to it and you're more susceptible to it. So that could explain why people have like ongoing experiences of all different types but again, just going, sort of going back to the psychological side of it. I mean, obviously, it's hard to drill down into each individual case. So, as we're talking more general, but like you have mental conditions such as like schizophrenia, things like this, where you are become a different person for a period of time. If that different person is doing something in the house, then you then come back to your usual self and notice these things have happened, and you, you're the only one that's been in that house. And now something's happened in that house, but it was you, but you didn't realize it was you. You could start attributing that to sort of this type of activity. What's also interesting interesting on the original point of um, UFO UFO sightings relating to poltergeists, there's also a number of poltergeist reports that don't include UFO sightings which in a way makes it even weirder because if there was UFO sightings related to all of them, you'd kind of go, oh, okay, well, potentially it's related to something extraterrestrial for the better, right? But the fact there isn't just adds even more high, stra- high strangeness and even more us not knowing what the hell is going on. 
because it's not much like much like every Portgast case, I spe- I guess, where there are similarities, but no two of them seem to be the same. There's mm. stories about Portgast cases in uh, Brazil, I believe, where Portgast, a Portgast was allegedly set fire to some girl's clothes while she was at school. She'd like almost her clothes spontaneously combusted or manifesting don't quote me on this, manifesting rusty nails in someone's mouth or something. Nice. And it's it's this weird thing where apparently the I don't know if, how true this is, but the Brazilian version of the poltergeist is way more fucking violent or whatever. They're all crazy down in South America. They are. Brazil's a mental place. I did want to go back quickly to to what Ash was saying about this whole like split personality thing. Um uh, and some kind of personality disorder because I that kind of does does fit some of some of them where you, you you kind of your brain actually switches off when you go to this other person you don't know that the other person exists in you as such so yeah you could move stuff and go you come back and you're just like what where's that gone and then you find it in some random place where your other personality is. How quickly do you think you could be dipping in and out of personalities, though? Because I don't know. There's a Netflix yeah. program, and the guy's got like 19 or something like that, and you can see him physically change in like in on interview with Cause, police. Because I'm just thinking there are reports in Portuguese cases where people have walked in, say, walked into a kitchen, all the cupboards are open closed them, walked out for a matter of seconds, walked back in, and it's all open again. And you might be right that maybe that matter of seconds isn't a matter of seconds at all if they're... They've got some sort of, like, split split personality or schizophrenia or something. But But that doesn't cover off the the family. Corroborate evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I think if you knew... Oh, sorry, I think if someone did have schizophrenia or a split personality, other people would be pretty pretty clued up to it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And much like you've just said, the guy with 19 personalities who you can physically see him changing, It's I would imagine it's quite obvious. Maybe it's not. Yeah. I don't know. But... So Skinwalker Ranch, they experienced poltergeist activity. So they moved in. They wondered why there was locks on the inside and outside of cupboards and then one day the 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 lady um came in with the shopping put the shopping away went out and then literally came straight back in and everything was out back on the table and all the cupboards were open and now i don't i don't I don't know how that works. I don't maybe know. That's, maybe that's not even a poltergeist. That's like a micro time slip. Could be a time slip. You imagine? Could be a time slip. It could be. But it just seems weird that it, everything, like I said, it's quite mischievous. Certainly at the beginning, it's quite mischievous. Um, um, so it might be a good time to, to start talking about the specific case. I was. Which is. I was going to raise this and say the issue with a lot of poltergeist cases is a lot of them include some level of fuckery, Mm. much like the Enfield poltergeist case where they, like that that picture where the girl's like, oh, I'm levitating, where she's blatantly jumped off the bed. It's like... That's bullshit. It is, absolutely. Mm. And the the one thing, admittedly, I don't know a great deal about the Enfield case, but the one thing that compels me most about that is the little girl speaking in the older gents language and to the point knowing uh to the point doing it with a mouthful of water and for allegedly hours on end and also the vocabulary being something that was potentially far beyond a how old was she at the time greg like 11 or something she was i think she was just coming up 12 about 12 yeah 11 12 the vocabulary and like the localized knowledge being far beyond what she would probably know at that age. And that, as I say, that for me is the most compelling point of that case. Cause that is very weird. 
Yeah, if you watch some of the documentaries, there is a great documentary on YouTube about it, like a, a BBC documentary that was done at the time. And it is one of the scariest things to watch when this girl is talking, this old man's talking through her. And she was saying it feels no, she's talking to the camera saying that she can, it's like he's just behind her talking through her and they're saying that because she was talking for hours and hours for days and days that there's no way your your um your voice could cope with that kind of vibrational activity for that length of time and she, there's loads of they go who are you and i'm bill and he's going and he goes, i'm bill he goes yeah. i'm dead and yeah. then he goes, so what yeah. are you? And he goes, I'm a G-H-O-S-T. I'm a yeah. ghost. And it's just and so they, they ask, They ask him something, what do you want? And mm. admittedly, it might be a great opportunity for a 12-year-old girl to swear and get away with it. But when they say to him, yeah. what do you want? He's like, fuck off and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And it's like, yeah. just gets really aggressive to them as well. It's so weird. Janet is the girl's name. So, so yeah, it all started with this family experiencing some knocking noises and whatnot, and then um, escalated that the girls, it sounded like the girls, it was Janet and her sister sharing a bedroom, and it sounded like they were up and about late, and the mum would come in and say, it's time, like, it's bedtime, and they, they watched this chest of drawers move across the, the bedroom, so the mum tries pushes it back and it comes out again. It's trying to push it and it, it's just not moving again. And I, I mean, even at that point, that'd be the end of my journey in the house. But, but yeah, they but go next door. But they're person-centric, this... not place-centric, Greg, so there's no getting away from yeah. it, mate. Yeah, yeah. And it actually happened that Janet went to um, get checked out and things started happening elsewhere, so... Yeah, that's that's definitely true. <clears throat> if you've watched The Conjuring Two, that's based on the Enfield Poltergeist. Um, Surely that's greatly but, exaggerated, though, right? Because it's a horror yeah, movie, massively. Yeah, yeah, and it's based around um, Ed and Lorraine Warren and their um, let's not, let's investigations not talk, into it. Let's not talk about Ed and Lorraine, but apparently they turned up at the house at the time. And we're told to go away. Yeah, they Obviously, were. I, it's I not believe, like that in the film. No, that like the film sort of shows that they're fully invested in the investigation, and like, yeah, it was either they were told to go away or they were there for like an hour and sort of turned up. Yeah, and went, yeah, it looks like a demon and fucked off again, as they usually did with a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, it's, but it, it is this. I think it's because because the Enfield Park guys, because it's British. It happens in a house, and if you if you Google Enfield Poltergeist, the house is just a normal sort of council house, um, typical looking house. It's uh, in Green Street in in Enfield in London. Um, so Janet was eleven actually. So apologies, you were right. And their sister is Margaret, thirteen. Um, they didn't know where to go with these happenings so they went to the papers and it became a big thing and when they did they had this guy called Morris Gross and a guy and a writer called Guy Lyon Playfair and Legend, they the legendary Guy Playfair right because he exactly. was involved in loads of stuff yeah he's a very prolific writer on the paranormal as well and wrote a book about it called This House is Haunted and it's almost like a diary of every event that took place um, over the course of their investigation. Yeah, as I've, I've heard the name from reading like various other uh, Poltergeist books, and I know he's pretty revered as like one of the go-to guys, along with, I can't remember, there was, it, he had like a counterpart as well, whose name I can't remember at the moment, but um, I don't believe it was Maurice Gross. So Maurice Gross, um, so he worked for the Society for Psychical Research, and he was sent there to investigate these issues. And um, 
and so he spent a lot of time with the family and he became a bit of like a father figure for, for Janet and Margaret because their father wasn't in the picture, um, which some people believe is the reason why it went on for so long because Janet and Margaret were concocting things to happen that kept him around because he was like a father figure to them. Yeah, um, which I mean, they, however, they admitted later on, right, that they were responsible for yeah, some of they, they the did, They did. So, which is weird. And you could write off the whole experience of the poltergeist activity by saying, well, actually, they made it all up because they said they did. But police witnessed uh, chairs moving across the room. There's police reports and police... There's a policewoman who's been on camera saying that she saw this thing move across the the floor, and that obviously couldn't have happened. Kids couldn't have just done that and faked it. Yeah. But they, Morris Gross caught the girls because he left a tape recorder in their room recording, and they caught them saying about how they were going to fake some of the stuff. So he called them out on it, and they, they did say that they were essentially they did fake some of it but like you say they were able to capture recordings of janet with water in her mouth and they taped over her mouth paramount to fucking charles really <laughs> yeah and still she was able to talk <laughs> it was the 70s anything went yeah. in the 70s there's no such thing as health and safety back then a lot, a lot worse things to have in your mouth in the 70s as a child when they're so um we're not going anywhere in the tonight <laughs> 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 operation U tree it is nowadays uh, yeah. they're all they're all tumbling <laughs> um anyway anyway so eventually, though, like with all poltergeist activity, it did sort of drop off, and the the haunting stopped, and the, the Janet and everybody went on to to lead the rest of their lives, and they don't really talk about it a lot, which is yeah. obviously something I probably wouldn't want to talk about because they've only ever been known as like poltergeist girls. I think they were on mm. an episode of This Morning on like some anniversary they of were. it. And they got... They were. Did they ever... Did I ever go back to the house or they met someone? Ah, uh, no, that was it. Yeah. They met They met Lorraine Warren at World yeah. Conjuring 2 was coming out and they were just like, oh, it's so good to see her. She was so good to us. This time the other. She was one of the only people that believed us. And it was like, yeah. contrary to contrary to what you hear about, um, that she turned up for about two seconds and went, "Yeah, it's demons. See you later." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for um, all the like the kind of stuff where we know the girls faked some of it, there's there's a lot of witnesses to seeing stuff happen that obviously they knew that the girls hadn't done it and they were still witness to it. So I think that just, I mean. They were, they were kids and probably did play up a bit to get any attention. Yeah. Let's try and get a bit more attention. But stuff was happening, but they did try and play it a bit more like kids do to yeah, get excitable and maybe do something to just get them that more attention. So, yeah, some of it's faked, but the amount of stuff that was seen that couldn't be faked by independent people is, yeah, it, it's a great case. I think one of the other, one of the other interesting ones, and we've mentioned it a couple of times, is the the Battersea Poltergeist, which I think I'm right in saying they they nicknamed the Poltergeist Donald. Um, and there was horrendous things happening over the period of time that the uh, Poltergeist infestation was happening. And then one day he just sort of left a note to them saying something like, see ya, or me go now, or something. And then the mother of the family's turning around to the dad and the daughter going, oh, I really miss Donald. I wish he'd come back. And they're going, like, fuck you do. Like, <laughs> it's been horrendous for the past six months or whatever. Yeah, it's 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 also with the Battersea Pole guys. She went to work and she worked as a seamstress and things were still happening while she was at work. 
So not um, yeah. scissors were floating across the, the room and, and people were freaking out while she's at work. So like you say, it's a, a person-centric kind of yeah. experience. And that was and a girl as well, wasn't it? A teenage, yeah. teenage yeah. girl. And, and one of the other weird things as well is like, I think I remember someone saying about like, there's a lot more poltergeist cases than you like people have this misconception that they're quite rare and then someone else was like there's a lot more than you actually realize that just never really get picked up like the Enfield poltergeist or something i'm sure there's like there's a short on vimeo uh about the coventry poltergeist which is made by bill bungie the current owner of 30s drive and he made like a he made like a short video interviewing a woman about the Covent, uh, they call it the Coventry Poltergeist beforehand. And when I was doing some research, I Googled it. And apparently back in, I think it was seventies, there was like two separate Poltergeist incidents in Swindon, which you'd never hear of unless like, I think I literally searched for Swindon Poltergeist or something. And yeah, apparently loads of them that just never really hit people's radars. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, like you say, I think some people are, are scared of even announcing that they've got that kind of uh, activity in their house because the Battersea Park guys, it was two streets away and there was another Park guys as well. So yeah. around the same time. So, yeah, and it's, there it's... are reports in, in Whitney there are reports on one of the particular housing estates that there is that sort of activity, whether or not that's true or not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's you can't really verify unless you can get in there and witness it for yourself, can you? And then, like, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what I was going to say. Great, great <laughs> content. I've totally forgotten what I was about to say mid-sentence, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a good. I'll, I'll end. I, was say, I was going to say something actually. A little Go bit I can could quote Keith Linder's book a lot more if you want. But I, I was going to say the when you talk about sort of it starts off as little bits and then it sort of increases in dramatic stuff. And is that when it, like Mike you mentioned before about manifestations and stuff like this and being able to manifest? like nails in the mouth and stuff. As more things are happening, are these people manifesting more things to happen? So it's sort of like a tumbling effect where things get bigger because they're allowing it to, more things happen, they're, manifest, they're manifesting it, and that's why it seems to increase. You might be right that if it feeds off of fear, the more people are scared, the more it plays into their subconscious and maybe their subconscious starts to make things happen. Or like you said before, due to uh, the psychology of the situation, you start to think the more things are uh, related to the poltergeist than they actually are sort of thing. I mean, you see this in the paranormal quite a lot with people who, who are born believers and yeah, everything's paranormal to them sort of thing. So maybe there is an element of that. I kind of remember what I was going to say now. I read a... I read a book called Poltergeist. I can't remember who it's um, written by, but he went out to, I want to say it was Romania and Eastern Europe. And he made a pretty compelling argument that in Eastern Europe, the concept of the ghost or poltergeist doesn't really exist. Uh, They're more akin to sort of Dracula and vampires as their supernatural entity. Um, and apparently it was like that for quite a while. And then he said, I believe he said in Bulgaria, there's a folklore belief in like a form of vampire that is invisible and very mischievous. And it was like, it was basically a poltergeist, but because the concept of poltergeist didn't exist mm. over there, it was like a form of supernatural vampire, essentially. And it was just like, that's really fucking interesting that mm. because... <coughs> because uh, the concept of it didn't exist to them, they just attributed it to something else that they are more familiar with. And I think you could, um, 
you could argue that for a lot of sort of areas in the world. Um, I know that, or I believe that, I shouldn't say I know, I believe that um, in the Muslim faith there's the, the concept of like the jinn, and the jinn are sort of multi-dimensional entities that we can't interact with, but they can interact with us. And they can be quite mischievous and fuck around with people and stuff. And again, it's like that concept. And for some people, they're seen as demons. And I do kind of wonder how much in the Christian faith of people going, oh, demons, 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 mm-hmm. is potentially what we now call a poltergeist. And I don't necessarily believe in demons. But the poltergeist is the one thing that sort of makes me go, well, hang on a minute. Um, yeah. But I'm more akin to believe that it's like a multidimensional being of some sort that we just don't understand it not necessarily a ghost in the sense that it's not the spirit of a dead person if you believe that is what ghosts are i see because it doesn't seem to be or well, well, the enfield poltergeist does because the guy says that the spirit says about how he died of a brain hemorrhage in the chair in the living room and that the previous owner son said that's how his dad died in the chair of a brain hemorrhage but I, it would appear to me that poltergeists don't appear to be a, a, an attachment of a dead person. They're just a thing. And I think that's even more more worrying because you don't know what it is. Um, there's, so. there's a really... I, I, like Anyone listening to this, I wholeheartedly implore you to go out and get Keith Linder's third book, uh, The Night Side of Physics, which the way he explains stuff is amazing. But he, and whether you believe Keith Linder or not, is your prerogative, because I know certain people don't. But he, um, once he started having activity happen, he set up a bunch of cameras around his house, and it would appear that the poltergeist was aware of where the cameras were pointing, because it wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, create activity on camera all to the point that it would turn them to face a wall while it trashed his house again could just be him but who knows but he then got two very well regarded parapsychologists not parapsychologists investigators in a gent called steve mirror um who came and who came and uh, investigated it and i believe caught an EVP which he believes to be the poltergeist going it's a camera it's a camera which shows like some level of intelligence that it knows what a camera is and it knows that they're pointing a camera and there was all sorts of stuff like that and there was an EVP I think he said that he seemed to think it was like there was a a, a student and a master relationship going on there was potentially two poltergeists and it was like a training regime for something like that. He explains it a lot better than I do Jesus. because obviously he experienced it, but some of the stuff that he had happened to him is pretty insane. Wow. Cool. I'll have to, um, I'll have to check that out. Cause like, yeah, I didn't, if there's like, if there is some kind of like training regime going on between ghosts or poltergeists, whatever they may be, that's that's mental and quite terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I'd say he he claims that he caught an EVP that sounded like it was two of them talking to each other about like, are we going to do it tonight? Yeah, let's get him or something like that. And it was just like, what? That would be scary. Definitely, wow. definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a good point to wrap up this this episode of the roundtable. Um, that's definitely not exactly how I envisaged the episode would go, but I've really enjoyed talking about poltergeists. Uh, it is one of my favourite topics. We started off quite technical and scientific, and ended up quite yeah, spiritual. So that was uh, we that's did, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Mike. Uh, yeah, thanks again to Ash. And then, so the next one will be at some point in the future, probably monthly, where we'll put these out. And um, yeah, 
we'll we'll have a chat again or we'll get some other guests on to join us and, and have a bit of a group discussion. I think that'd be really good. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. See you later.